that sometimes watching others, and especially through observation of hurt that some people experience through leaving the faith, uh, sometimes I have to agree that we live in a cult. As a young mother, I experienced a paradigm shift that transformed how I saw education and ultimately the world around me. I started this podcast, The Luminous Mind, to connect with and learn from people who are disrupting the status quo in how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Prepare for a paradigm shift. Light a candle. Light your world. Benjamin Franklin said, instead of cursing the darkness, light a candle. You're listening to The Luminous Mind with your host, Rebecca Bowman. What I learned from my time in a cult, that is the title to address what so many people say about my religion, namely the Church of Jesus Christ, the Latter-day Saints. People will tell you that to your face, that you belong to a cult or that you're brainwashed. Caused me to think a lot about this particular subject and how building a cult, culture, isn't exclusive to the LDS faith because as I researched into this topic, it has revealed some really sick situations going on in pretty much any type of group. So this podcast is about cultish views and how to build healthy communities in general. But to bring it back to my faith, I have to say that despite feeling very free and enlightened through my religious understandings, uh, that sometimes watching others and especially through observation of hurt that some people experience through leaving the faith, as well as watching my missionary son, uh, sometimes I have to agree that we live in a cult. <laughs> We're going to do a deep dive there in a few minutes, but first, welcome fire starters. Welcome to the Luminous Mind. Deciding to do this podcast has weighed pretty heavy on my mind. I've thought about it a lot. I was afraid first of how to talk about this without shaming other people. I don't want it to be one of those types of things where I end up being super judgmental um, because I'm trying to avoid that, you know, joining in on that crowd. And I also didn't want to be super judgmental on a faith that I love, of course, um, because I see a lot of good fruit in it as well. Um, And then also... I wanted to express my ideas in a way that weren't sounding like over dramatic or anything. It's just, I see so many, you know, when I hear that we live in a cult and then I see some of those things that are troubling to me, uh, sometimes I do have to agree. But this post and podcast is a follow-up to last week's release on manipulation and motivation and the ways that we choose to lead people. A big shout out to my coaching class for asking a question that prompted the manipulation and motivation title. I think the question was, how do I motivate my children? Which I responded with, are we wanting to motivate them or manipulate them? There's a very big difference in in especially how we do those things. This podcast was on the styles of leadership and how we choose to influence others. So if you haven't listened to that show, I recommend that you stop what you're listening to now and please do so because it will help make this podcast to make a lot more sense. So when we're talking about a cult, some people want to blame a church such as mine. 
But looking at the characteristics that can make a cult, I think that you could create any type of cult-like thinking anywhere. I think that we can create cult-like thinking anywhere. So to continue our discussion from last week, we're going to talk about communities and building healthy spaces to interact with others. You know, that socialization question that so many of us homeschoolers get. Uh, We want to build healthier communities, uh, as well as maybe seizing back ones that have gone awry, maybe places that were very healthy and good cultures, um, like maybe some of our individual churches, but these places have gone awry and have become manipulative and, like today's topic, uh, very cultish. Personally, I think that it's important to recognize unhealthy communities because they help shape our paradigm so much of how we see others or how we see ourselves. And some of these effects of these communities can have long-lasting implications like I talked about kind of at the very beginning. And they can affect us for the rest of our life. Um, and we, it can affect our relationships as well. Again, if you remember the motivation versus manipulation podcast from last time, these communities can include anything from churches to learning institutions, to activity centers, and maybe even our homes. We can actually create a cult within our home that can be pretty destructive. So with the ideas of observation and some of my son's mission experiences, let's dive into recognizing a cult. The first key is that many of these places oppose critical thinking. Here, cultish thinkers want to tell you what to think and what to do. Like in our manipulation characteristics, they have the idea of what thoughts and actions make the perfect member of that society. I remember a time when I was out um, doing visits with another uh, sister in my religious community And we were talking about a popular uh, commentary, a political commentary of our time. And um, I remember her commenting that that person wasn't a real member of my church. And I had to really think about, like, what does that mean? Maybe I'm not a real member of this church. And um, I think that that can happen a lot in many different situations that we find ourselves. That maybe if we're not living up to their ideas of what, um, you know, those perfect characteristics are, that we may end up... Uh, kind of being in a cultish environment um, where we think we have to look and be all the same. Uh, Many believe that cults brainwash their members. It's that idea of mind control. And that can happen um, a lot within the language and the verbiage that places use uh, that they might use to shun or to exclude people that may not be or think like them. Some of the things that they may tell you is you need to pray harder you're not doing enough. This is not doing what God wants or expects you to do. They spend a lot of time discrediting one's prayers. We need to work to edify and strengthen each other and affirm each other's faith. Another thing that cults do is that they isolate members and they penalize them for leaving. And this goes along a lot with uh, shaming and some of those kind of comments. 
or some of those kinds of things that ends up happening. And I've seen this a lot, sometimes within uh, my own faith, but also in any type of community where when somebody finally decides to leave, maybe they don't have the same thoughts or ideas, and they start to have, they, they may not even leave, but they may not have the same thoughts or ideas. And when they start to question, they have different questions than maybe those cultish thinkers, they're almost forced to leave the group cultish people will withhold their love and their support if you don't end up thinking like them. And they can also, like I said in my manipulation podcast, they can make you feel really crazy, like you're the one that is wrong and whatever because you don't believe and think in their particular way. So in a religious setting, this may happen even when somebody commits a sin or chooses to live differently than expected, or even being honest about the fact that they might think different. Those things can get you ostracized or penalized from or even isolated from this group. The third thing is that they emphasize special doctrine outside of scripture. And I've seen this so much in so many different groups that traditional or their uh, cultural rules are more important than the teachings of Christ. And that happens a lot in religious settings. But it's basically when anyone takes the things outside of the, the mission of that group and those are the things that they choose to focus on versus, you know, the core mission or the core, like I said, teachings of Jesus or something like that, that they focus on those outside things. And in my faith, that could include anything from like being hypersensitive about modesty or um, the word of wisdom, or when we talk to Brenda of God is Gray next week, you'll hear her talk a lot about the um, hypersensitivity of the purity culture within Christian churches. That can even be something that goes kind of above and beyond what's taught to us in Scripture. Number four is that they seek inappropriate loyalty to their leaders. To think that you can't question or that you can't receive your own confirmation from advice given from leaders, they kind of expect that you have to immediately obey them no matter what. And like I said, that can go for any group where there's this automatic obedience instead of like answering questions of why this particular thing might be so important. I think that's a big uh, misnomer about my faith is that members are taught that they have to obey and do what's ever asked of them when in reality we are always challenged to receive a confirmation and uh, find out if what that leader, you know, if we're, we choose to follow them, which I think is very healthy to get that, you know, that feeling of is this something I want to do versus being told that we have to be absolutely obedient and honest Um, dishonoring the family unit. In some situations, kind of in my church, I've seen people who go out and they do things with whatever they're asked to do within the church or the organization, and they put those things in that church above sometimes the needs of their own family. And I think that service is really important, but first we have to I mean, we have to take care of our our households first before we we strive to take care of others. And I think that if we are, you know, an example is that maybe we make somebody else's uh, family dinner before we even make our own family dinner, we might want to rethink that we are choosing to put that organization well above your own family unit and not taking care of your own family above 
above those things. Um, like I said, I don't want to discredit anybody's service or things that they're doing to help their neighbor because I think those are super important. But we need to also keep that in perspective of where we are allowing that kind of stuff to creep in and kind of overshadow our main responsibilities of taking care of our own families. Um, number six is they cross biblical boundaries of behavior. And this kind of goes back to what we were talking about with um, the third point of emphasize that special doctrine outside of scripture. But sometimes they can just become super hyper-focused into behavior and not the core mission of that organization. And they do a lot of um, scripture to basically be able to manipulate people into obeying them or listening to them, even though it can be things that are kind of outside of that main mission or core. Um, and then there's also a separation from the church, beliefs that go far into the extreme of what that church or that organization may even believe. Sometimes... Uh, you know, like in my religion, we have something that we call the word of wisdom, which is basically we're asked to live this law of health. And some people choose to go like way beyond that in the fact that they don't want to drink caffeine or whatever, which is fine. I mean, that's definitely their choice. But what ends up happening so much is that they shame or they make other people feel bad that they're not taking um, stuff to the extreme. And I think sometimes, though, we have to be very careful because when we take stuff to the extreme, it creates this unhealthy, hardcore behavior that we're not temporary that we, um, you know, we're not, we, we've taken self-control to kind of an extreme level. And I think when we're temperate, we have the self-control to be able to, you know, eat something maybe that is outside of that, that realm of health. I mean, the, the word of wisdom, for example, there's two paragraphs of tea and coffee and smoking and tobacco. And then there's several other verses that go outside of, um, you know, of how to take care of our bodies. And so many people, uh, they miss that. And I think that's, I mean, we take stu some stuff to the extreme, but not, uh, we don't pay attention to everything. Like I said, some of this is inspired by my own son's mission service. It's inspired by things I see with people within the, the faith that are um, being shunned or, or hurt in a different way. I know with my son, it's been frustrating sometimes to to hear situations where they're teaching somebody and somebody starts looking at anti-Mormon literature, which there is a plethora of stuff out there for people to listen to and to watch. But instead of having an attitude of like, oh, great, you have questions. Let's talk about these things. It just comes to like, that's stuff you should never look at. <laughs> and, and that's been a, a source of frustration for him. And probably what I need to emphasize um, there's also so many people that are forced into service by manipulative parents who have like really high expectations of what they think their children should do and they want them to conform to these religious norms and not necessarily for the good of the child but maybe even to make them look like they've been the good parent of raising them within this faith and there's so many that don't really have the understanding of why they're doing what they're doing and uh, that they're there out of a forced situation. 
many are taught to put that religious lifestyle above the teachings of Christ. And I think that's what's been so frustrating as I've watched different things happen where people leave the church because the lifestyle takes over what we're supposed to be focusing on, which is Christ. I mean, that can happen, like I said, in any organization that puts that you know, what the perfect member looks like above having a loving and kind heart towards their mission that's, you know, goes above and beyond that. So this seems really strange to me. And here's the reason why, you know, to further illustrate my ideas on the healthy culture, I wanted to tell an experience from my upbringing that was that's really probably set the stage for my belief of the luminous mind and illuminated learning. You know, on the previous podcasts, I've taught a lot about, you know, finding your mission, looking at those highs and those lows of your life. And this experience that I'm about to tell you, I think is really what started the catalyst for me to be somebody who loves to discover and has that curiosity going on. Anyway, as a young teen, I had a serious boyfriend who was not of my faith. He was actually Baptist, and he'd often invite me to his church, to which my parents would gladly allow me to go. I think with both of them being somewhat converts to the Mormon faith, it allowed them to keep an open mind about me going to another church. Um, He never came to my church, but I often went to his. And I think this open-mindedness was really hard to come by in my faith, especially at that time. And I marvel now as an adult um, to think back about, you know, how steeped we were in this church culture for my parents not to care what their friends or, you know, what people within the faith thought about me going to another faith and being able to learn about that. And I really thank them for allowing me to do that. I don't know if my other um, siblings had the same experience that my parents were that open-minded, but for me, they, they let me have a little bit of exploration in this area of my life, which I'm so grateful for them. You know, I would think that if uh, somebody was looking in from the outside, they would think that this exploration was me falling away or even being led astray. Those are terms sometimes that we hear in churches or in you know, different organizations when people are choosing to explore. But however, to return to my story, it was normal to go to church with this friend and then to come home and have my dad ask me questions about what I learned there. And it was a very lightning experience. It caused a lot of questioning to go on in my mind about my own faith and what I really believed and all those things. And that's probably what's helped me later on in the future as I've been allowed to feel like I had that freedom to explore different thoughts and ideas and I tend to lead my life in a very different way because of that. It was very interesting experience, like I said, to have my beliefs challenged at such a young age. And it was a really long road, um, several years. And instead of being led astray or following away, like a lot of people think when kids um, go off and experience other religious beliefs, it actually helped to really resolve and confirm my beliefs in my faith. It it actually is the very foundation of what, of me being such a strong member in my church. 
I think, too, it gave me the confidence to see that I was smart enough not to be affected negatively through challenges of this large amount of anti-Mormon literature and criticisms of my faith. I've heard a lot of people say to stay away from, you know, to never entertain this type of stuff, that it's negative. And in some ways, I think that, you know, we want to look at healthier, positive views of other religions instead of just looking at all the negative stuff that maybe a faith, I don't, I don't know if there are other faiths that get so much negativity as mine, but sometimes uh, looking at that negative about the faith um, really helps to create some empathy too. Like I said, I've seen things of people who have left the faith and I feel some empathy for them because I understand how they feel and I get more of where they're coming from and I approach them a little bit differently. All right, so we're going to kind of focus, we're going to turn it back to maybe help build a healthy community to keep a lot of these cultish ideas out of our communities so that they can be much uh, healthier places to thrive so that we have better relationships, we have more connectability, we have an open-mindedness. I don't know if anyone's a Dave Ramsey fan out there, but he talks about how the palm needs to be open so that money can flow in and out of that palm. And some people, and I get it because as a parent, I think, um, you know, that's how I feel that uh, it's something I love and I cherish. And this is a belief that I have. And I want my children to be like that. So they tend to hold on to them, almost crushing them to the point that is um, not helpful to the individual. And what ends up happening when they finally struggle and they get free of that grasp, it can create a lot of problems within the relationship later on, as well as it doesn't give that person, if your hand is clenched, that person has no ability to come back in if they feel like they need to. Anyway, um, so to build those healthy communities, let's put the focus, more importantly, on the mission of that group and what we're there to do and learn versus some of these outside extremities of what that culture or tradition of the group is. You know, let's stay focused on the mission. Another um, thing that I would recommend is that you strive to stay positive with reactions and stop shaming. And that's where I feel like my parents' um, own particular letting me have that experience to explore where they stayed so positive with my reactions I was able to like I said come back if I wanted to you know if I think if I would have had a lot of shaming or a lot of criticism I would have never felt like I had the I was comfortable in coming back to what I believed also looking at questions with an open mind and to celebrate that and listen to their insights instead, even if you don't understand them. So listening to their insights, even if you don't understand them, but instead of like accusing them of being wrong or that what they're feeling is wrong necessarily to listen to that and to keep an open mind about that. Also, I think we want to walk the walk. We want to mentor our faith and not necessarily be preachers. I see this a lot, especially when I work with youth, that they tend to follow us a lot more when we're walking the walk, you know, when they're going to watch what we're doing so much more than what we say so many times. And when we are leading our own life, when we are exploring it within our own life, when we have those values that are our first and foremost, it's going to teach them more than necessarily 
preaching to them all the time. And especially when we're working with our youth, I think it's important to definitely do some study together about things as a family, but you want to also give them a lot of freedom and time. Um, well, first of all, your lectures should never be super long because you want them to hear everything you have to say. Uh, so especially as teenagers, they tune it out if it goes too long. And so we want to give them actually more opportunity and space to explore their own questions and their own ideas with their own time. And that's kind of the basis of unschooling, you know, that we give them the opportunity to um, figure out who they are and what they believe about certain things. Um, also, I think we need to love a different people and, um, and different thoughts and to try to find common ground versus thinking that we have nothing in common with that person. I think the number one thing is that we all want to be happy and healthy. <laughs> we all want that as that's always a good common ground to, to find. And I hope as the podcast goes on, I mean, I know especially next week's podcast, there may be some in the group that will not totally agree with what is being said. But I think if we can always keep that in mind that we are going to try to find common ground to take what they're learning and maybe think about it think about how it might apply in our life the things that we agree with the things that we would want to throw out the ways we can be more empathetic to other people I think that really helps expand our learning and our faith in a lot of ways within our own faith there is a wonderful story in the first Nephi about the tree of life and in our pictures of LDS uh in LDS doctrine, there's always, it shows uh, the picture where we're all on one straight and narrow path holding to the same rod and we're all moving in the same direction. And um, a few years ago, I remember being in a class where there was a father in there that was really struggling with the way things were going with his son. And they were constantly arguing because he never thought that that son's views or the way the direction that he was going was the correct one, you know, that he wasn't staying firm to that path and holding on to that rod like this beautiful story tells us about. Um, but one night he had a dream that he saw his son coming from a different direction and he was coming from a different direction, but that they were uh, eventually moving to the same point of that tree, you know, of the fruit that God has for us. And, and I think that helped expand my mind so much. I don't ever think of anyone like they're falling away or they're whatever, that their direction towards that is different than mine. And I never really think like they have to come to my thinking anymore either. I think that story helped me with that. I think that sometimes when we know that we're both walking, you know, that we both are moving towards each other, it helps us find more common ground. Um, and that we're not feeling this accusatory thing towards them all the time, that um, we're not expecting them to come around to our way of thinking, but that we're willing to entertain the idea that we're actually coming together. As I think about some of my experiences uh, with stuff that I've chosen to do with my family, um, and I'm always thinking like, why do I feel like I should do this with my family? You know, why should I move in this direction when it seems like everyone else around me is doing something else? And what I found 
found is that it's better prepared me. And I, I feel like I've been led by God, basically, because I've been moving in the direction that would be better for my life. And I think that that kind of comes from that same situation. We got to think about, you know, when we think of our kids falling astray or somebody's moving and we can't understand that we have to keep that in mind, that whatever's going on is for some greater purpose than what we think at the time. Also, we want to be able to speak up for others in toxic groups. I've had so many situations where, you know, there's been a lot of shaming going on or there's been a lot of people who are working to be manipulative and all of that kind of stuff. And the awesome thing is when other people stand up for us, it makes it less likely that there's going to be kind of an unhealthy community or situation going on because um, we're there standing up for each other and trying to help create that good culture or that good community. Uh, The thing that I find most troubling Uh, is thinking about how all of these types of things can happen just within an individual family. I think that's what's so heartbreaking to me when I read stories about people who have left the faith, how their parents were so controlling of them. And that's the part, too, I want us to keep in mind that this isn't only about organizations and it isn't only about churches or whatever. It's about that individual family and trying to create a culture that is really healthy for them, for for everybody involved. So when we build a cult instead of a healthy culture, we can set people up for failure. We can create people who finally come out of the group and swing too far to the other side to really unhealthy places. And like I said, next week's podcast, we're going to talk about that a little bit. Um, and it places them in an intemperate situation. You know, when they're taking that ability to have self-control is taken to the extreme. And it can be very destructive for some people. Um, so we want to be sure that we're not setting um, somebody up that when they finally, you know, can get out of the clasp of your hand, that they fly off with such vigor that it ends up in an unhealthy situation. It can also set people up when we uh, have these uh, organizations of cult, cultish ideas, uh, it can set them up for abuse too, because we have created kind of this all or nothing mindset, like that we follow without thinking, that we obey without understanding, that we listen um, to ever who whoever may be in charge to whatever they tell us to do versus really using our own critical thinking and our own spirit for one and being able to you know discern those things for ourselves sometimes when we teach all that uh, follow and lead we end up with people we end up uh, creating some bad situations for our children or people in the future It can also create huge resentment. Like I said, um, when somebody finally flies out of your hand, it can scar a person for life. And you can lose your channel of influence with those people because you've held on to them so tightly that they don't dare come back into your presence because... They don't feel free. They don't have the ability to be a person who can explore and think about things for themselves. And you may even lose that relationship forever because we're so bent on that person being and acting and appearing to be like we think they should. 
Um, so next week, we'll launch our first interview of our new rebranding with the YouTube blogger, Brenda Davies with God is Gray. And I wanted to kind of introduce her on this podcast because it has uh, what we're talking about has so much to do with building those healthy cultures. So God is Gray is a YouTube channel and a podcast advocating for sex positive relationships. It's LGBTQT affirming. So we will talk about some of that and also science believing Christians. I think the podcast shows the dangers of building manipulative cultish communities. We're going to discuss with her some of her own personal experiences and what she learned by working to create an environment of love and acceptance for other people. I think even if you may not completely agree with her message, you can see some of the dangers of these unhealthy communities. So I appreciate you joining my cult or culture of the luminous mind as we become our best selves through unconventional thinking. If I were to build a cult, like I said in my last podcast, it would be that group of free thinkers not scared to learn something different that doesn't jive with their own paradigm. People who are interested in following me to connect with and learn with people who are disrupting the status quo and how they learn, educate, and live in the world around them. Give me your feedback on this topic of cult cultures. I hope it wasn't too hard on my individual religion. I hope that we can see that we want to strive to build healthier communities and organizations everywhere, including our own families, uh, places where we can give people freedom and give them the ability to want to fly back to us. And thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening to The Luminous Mind. Music featured in this episode from Scott Holmes. To learn more about our podcast, check us out at theluminousmind.net.